Hi, I'm Chelsea Neumeyer and I'm a time management and productivity coach. My goal is to help you go from overwhelmed to under control without a strict schedule or a bunch of productivity hacks. Each week, we'll talk about productivity mindset, actionable advice, my favorite resources, and you'll hear from guests just like you who are maximizing their limited resources. If you're anything like me, you're listening to this on the go, so check out the show notes and follow me on Instagram to learn more. Okay, let's start the episode. Ashley Lindo is a multi-hyphenate that thrives on creativity. An award-winning creative consultant, she specializes in graphic design, social, and brand strategy. Over the course of her career, Ashley has delivered world-class strategic brand and marketing direction to organizations such as Coca-Cola, WeTV, Cobb Energy Center, Ashton Woods, and Troost Foundation Financial Corporation. Leveraging her 14 years of corporate experience, Ashley works with other multi-hyphenates, emerging brands, and corporate corporations to define their brand and marketing strategy. Her clients have been featured in Glamour, Essence Magazine, and Forbes. Ashley is a graduate of Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute, where I went to school, where she received her dual bachelor's degree in business management and electronic media arts and communications. A self-proclaimed Georgia peach, she loves trying new restaurants, spending time with her family and friends, and traveling. All right, Ashley, I know I just read your bio, but I'd love for us to jump in and have you share a little bit more about who you are and what inspired you to start your business. Yeah, so I'm Ashley Lindo. I was born in the Bronx, raised in Atlanta. I say that I'm an imported Georgia peach, and I am the sister to two brothers and the daughter to two immigrants. And that that rich history is really one of the ways I guide myself in terms of my values. Family is super important, so I always sleep with it. But career-wise, I currently work full-time in the financial services industry, leading a small team in social media. And so it's cool to be able to do social media for a corporate, a corporate company. And then I also, as I'm not crazy enough or busy enough, I <laughs> have my own business where I provide a brand and marketing strategy to, to what I call multi-hyphenates and, and small business owners. I'm pivoting a little bit, but that's the core of who I service or provide services to currently. So that's yeah. a bit about me. Yeah, I love it. And we actually know each other from college yeah. a long time ago and yeah. have reconnected in the entrepreneurial space. And you helped me with my like OG logo branding back when I started. And then I recognize your talents as someone who helps multi-passionate because little me when I started was all over the place and you really helped (laughs) provide some clarity and focus for all of the ideas that I have. So I'm so grateful and still reference that document that we created together. So thank you for that. Oh, absolutely. It was truly a pleasure. So I know you said you do some branding and you just did a phenomenal class. I know it was a little while ago on just like some of the startup steps. Could you walk someone through some of the first things that they need to be thinking about as they're considering branding and marketing? Yeah, that's a good one. It was the masterclass is called Before the Logo. And really it was just to get people started. I think there's so much information on the internet and it can be overwhelming and paralyzing too, because you're like, okay, what do I do first? And so when you're first starting out, I always say, okay, do you have a business name? If you have a business name, okay, let's make sure it is not taken by anyone. So let's look at the the US Patent and Trademark Office website. Let's look if the domain is domain name is available, if the social media handles are available. 
let's just secure those things. Even if you're not, if you're not doing anything with the business in the next month, two months, six months, it's just good to have those things. So once you've secured those things, then I also like to understand really, what are your goals? You know, what, like, what's the vision? What's the mission for this, for this company? Because a lot of times we just go out and do things, but we don't take a step back to really understand like the foundation or the vision and goals of the business. Where do you, what do you want to accomplish and what timing do you want to accomplish it in? And then the last thing I would say is like having offerings. So whether you want to sell products or services, you got to get clear on that because that's truly what business is about making money. And I think a lot of times it's like, oh, I just want to help people. And that's great. And that seems to be more of a nonprofit. If you want to do a nonprofit, then yes. But I think you can still help people and still hit revenue goals and things like that. So that's why it's important to identify your service offers your service offerings or your offerings in general, if it's going to be product or service. Yeah. And I mean, I always say too, like, because I started with helping nonprofits and nonprofits need to make money too. So you got to, whatever you're setting up, it has to be through the lens of how am I going to make money to be able to fund this, even if you're putting it all back into your business or into helping people. So I think that those steps are really important because so many people, I'm sure you see this, want to kind of skip around, right? Like they get really excited about potentially what they're, they're good at maybe, or some of the kind of like fluffier stuff. And they don't go back and like do the work of like, I need a name for my business. So yeah. I love that you broke that down into the basics that are so, so important. Yeah. I would even add to, I think you noticed that I didn't say logo or website <laughs> thing. Because those things are beautiful, but that that really is informed by all the other work that you do, you know, identifying mm-hmm. the audience, which I didn't mention, but that's important because once you've identified who the demographic and the psychographic of the audience, then you're able to, de- to develop those offerings. But all those things, the objective, the vision, the audience, the offerings, that really helps to inform how this brand or business is going to show up visually which when we say visually, we think logo, reels, website, and those types of things. Yeah. And I think there's incredible value in working with someone like you. If this is not a strength, this is so not a strength of mine. I don't even, I don't know what I don't know. And I really struggle. I'm sure you remember us working together. I'm struggling to articulate like, no, but I can't tell you why. Like I, you know, so I think just having someone with an expertise in this can be so incredibly powerful because you're going to see things and look at them and understand. I just learned with different kinds of fonts, the names of like why it's Sam, Seraph and Seraph, like that like blew my mind. Like people like, you know, those things. And so that's really important. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, brand strategy is one of those things that you don't think you need, but then when you, what I've noticed is when I'm working with clients and we walk through and I had to have a couple of frameworks that I use with clients. When you do it and we, I'm presenting the strategy, they're like, oh my God, I didn't think about that, but that makes so much sense. And oh man, I'm going to need this. And it really is the document that I provide. It's a ever flowing document. And so it's not like one and done. It's one of those, one of those documents where you're going to, it's going to evolve as your business evolves. Mm-hmm. First start out, it's different, right? You're trying to get your feet wet. You're trying to figure out your space. But then as you start to work with clients, you start to learn what is what services or products that is needed. And so you may pivot a bit or you may 
decide like I'm going to zero in and niche down on a particular audience or product or service bring. And so I would always say like the brand strategy document is always where you should start for anything. You need it before marketing, honestly. Yeah. And I also think too, I mean, for me, branding was important because I, you know, when you jump on someone's page or website, like that's your first impression in an online world. That's, and so if it looks cohesive and it doesn't, I mean, I don't think there's, um, you don't want to spend too much time tweaking it or anything, but like if it looks cohesive and it looks like you put the thought and energy and effort into it, it elevates like, okay, so you're a thoughtful and intentional business owner, right? Like if I jump on someone's webpage and it looks like it's still from the two thousands and it's like, you know, all like janky and it like, that doesn't give me the impression that they're being intentional or keeping up to date or, you know, the more forward thinking entrepreneur. So that's an important first impression. Yeah, no, that's a really great call out because it builds trust. I am deciding to put forth energy and effort into how I present myself. If I'm taking care of myself, meaning my business, my, even my body, my home, you know, whatever, my family, then that can give you an indication how you're going to take care of my brand or my business. Because a lot of times we think of our own personal brands and businesses as our babies. And so it's like, we want to make sure like the same level of effort and same level of care that I care for my baby, my business, my, my brand is like, I hope that you would, you know, do that for me. And so to your point, it's very important to make sure that you're presenting yourself well, you know, online, right. Making sure that you're keeping your, what I say, digital assets up to date, because it's important. You, you never know who's watching. And a lot of times you're putting out marketing and you may not get as much the audience, but they're watching. Yeah. They're watching, you know, you'll get people who say, Hey, like I've been watching you for six months. I love the content and I've implemented such and such, but they've never engaged with you on anything. You're like, what? So it's important to make sure that you're keeping those things up to date, relevant so that you can build that trust. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I want to learn a little bit more about what inspired you to start your business in addition to running or having a nine to five job? <laughs> That's a funny question because I've been, oh, this is what it truly was. I graduated in the height of the recession. So I had to find some way to make, and because no one was truly hiring, not new grads, right? They were there were individuals who were taking all of the new grad jobs who already had like six plus years of experience because they, you know, they've been working. And so here I come as a new grad, like, Hey, right. And like, <laughs> I want to get a job. And they're like, Nope, we need four years of experience. And I'm like, but this is an entry level position. So really it, it came out of the need to, to really want to work, you know, family is Jamaican. And so there's this stereotype that we've come to like laugh about now, but like you can't outwork a Jamaican. They're going to have at least 10 jobs. And so feeling the weight of that funny, so funny stereotype, like I'm like, I got to get a job out here. And so a part of that was just trying to freelance. And so I use LinkedIn to reach out to many people in, in the industry. So at this time, I was pivoting. I got my degree in business management and graphic design, but I knew that I didn't want to do graphic design for corporations. I just, I didn't want to do that. And so I was freelancing really to find more roles in social media. Now this is back in 2010, 2011. 
And so it was a thing, Twitter and Instagram had just started just to give people context. Like it wasn't what it is now, but you know, it's like trying to do social media for a business in 2010. And they're like, what is Facebook? Like what is Instagram? And so trying to prove the value that, Hey, this social media thing is going to change the way we engage, change the way we operate in the world. And you know, directors and executives were like, okay, sure. You have this graphic design background. Let's do that. So I ended up freelancing for about a year making corporate jobs or taking corporate projects, but continue to like build my clientele. So if a friend like had needed a flyer or a logo created, I would take those jobs as I was doing the, doing the freelancing or the contract gigs. And so then I decided, well, let me just keep it going. Once I finally did land a, a corporate role, cause you know, freelancing or business revenue can be hit or miss. It could be feast or famine. Mm-hmm. So I really needed that security of the job of a nine to five, but I always had my business and freelancing. So that's really how I got into business, owning my own business. Like it was out of a, a need. I love that though. And then, and it's just impressive to see how much has grown, how much you've taken it again, like going from freelance and now it's a business, right? And something that you have been able to balance over these years. So I love seeing that. That's awesome. And I think it just makes it really real for people who are still in a nine to five and want to start this or vice versa, right? Like it, it's all part of the journey. It's going to go back and forth and that's okay. It's all okay. I think too, you have to be okay with the journey, right? You have a vision in mind, like the destination in mind, and you feel like, okay, well, I got to do point A to go to point B. But I think you have to be flexible in how you get there because my journey has been up, down, to the side, take a step back, go forward again. And so I have just, my, my focus was always being a good practitioner. So whatever I was doing, I was going to be, try to be one of the best or the best at what I do. So graphic design, I was going to be the best at, you know, creating logos and creating marketing materials as I've done social media, which is my corporate career, making sure that I'm staying up to date with the platforms, knowing how to leverage the platforms for a corporation or even a small business. But I, I think above everything in how, no matter how the journey looks, it's like being really good at what you do. And that has gotten me opportunities that I feel like those became the currency of which I moved because I was really, I became comfortable and confident in my skill because I was just doing the work and then the opportunities came and then I grew. So I think that's important to keep in mind is like doing the work, not being afraid of the work, you know? Yeah. Oh, I love that. Being a good practitioner. That's brilliant. That's exactly what it is. But when you start your business, it's usually because you have a passion for something and you're really good at it and you want to share it with others and help others with it. So just keep focusing on that is really cool. What are your hopes for your business? Do you hope to take it full time? Yeah, that's a good question. I'm not sure. I don't know. It's so funny. I think it depends on what's going on in my life. I, back in 2018, I decided to leave my corporate job. Like I, I was laid off in my last uh, in job in, in 2018. So I was like, oh, you know what? I'm going to do it. At that time I was married. And so, you know, my husband at the time he was able to carry the family and then things got rocky as life does. And so um, in 2019, I decided to go back to work. I had, I knew I was going to have a major contribution, like financial contribution, my best friend 
of 20 years. I mean, this is second generation friendship was getting married and I knew that would take on a huge financial responsibility. And I didn't want to put that on my husband at the time. And so I decided to go back to work and rightfully so it was what I needed because we ended up separating and divorced. And so I, at the time I, I wanted to go full time with my business, but then realizing like, Hey, the, the business wasn't bringing in as much money to be able to afford the life that I, mm -hmm. so I've gone back to work and have been working since then and always had the business. And honestly, in 2021, I didn't take on as many clients because life was just, you know, life being, I had recently, you know, finalized my divorce. And so I was like, I'm just trying to live, you know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, corporate career, it's going well, I love my team. And I was, you know, just doing that. And so this year I'm pivoting a little bit. Cause I, I want to be able to do both and there's a need and I just have a passion for helping people and also, also making, you know, making money too. I don't know. I think eventually, you know, as my parents age, I want to spend more time with them and I, as I'm evaluating opportunities, whether it's corporately or with my business, freedom is the most important value. Is it going to allow me to spend time with my family, with my friends? Those things are super important to me. So I'm not sure. I don't know what life will bring, you know, in my head, I say, okay, in about 20 years, I would like to be a full-time entrepreneur, have my business because I know my parents will be aging. And so want to be able to be, have a flexible schedule to spend time with them. But also, you know, I have an older brother with autism. And so I'm transitioning being his primary caretaker as my mm -hmm. parents age and things like that. So possibly in 20 years, but who knows, you know, maybe I'll get <laughs> and it will, you know, allow me the flexibility that I have, you know, as an entrepreneur. So we'll see. Yeah. And I love that. And I think so many people have that flexibility is so important because so many people have like a hard line or the hard plan and then life happens right? and it's so hard as much as I love a good plan. Like I'm looking at a week ahead and I think there's also the reality that like for me, for example, I'm still working as a nonprofit consultant in addition to running my business. I can't picture my life without a foot in the nonprofit world. So that's like, I, yes, I want my business to be my primary income and to have that flexibility, but I don't know if I could ever fully walk away from that world either. So it's a, sometimes it's a struggle, right? It's a balance of, of how we're going to think about it. And I hear you. That's how I feel too. You know, <laughs> I feel like I, I feel like I will always have a foot in the door with a corporate gig because there's just something about how my career has gone mm -hmm. since well and also have passion. You know, I want to help corporations build out social media teams and I really understand the true value of it. It's not just posting. It, it truly can drive revenue, can drive intent, impact, and engagement. So yeah, I'm with you on that. And you also have the cool advantage of having someone else pay for you to learn. <laughs> That's a huge advantage when you have a foot in the that kind of door. Like you are getting, especially if they overlap in some way, you're getting paid to learn the skills that you can then apply to your business, to serve your clients, to get up their opportunities. So like, let's not, you know, cut ties before you you need to, or you really want to, or you're ready because there's some perks too, to keeping that gig. Yeah. And I always say too, like, let the nine to five be the investor in your business. Yes. That's exactly it. Yes. I think sometimes People get in there, they have nine to fives that they don't love. They hate going to work. And I understand that like, to encourage a toxic work environment. 
But if your work environment is good, pays the bills, then, you know, shift your mind to think about like, how can this be the investor in my business where I'm not having to, you know, have the burden of trying to every client I'm being desperate in the clients that I'm trying to get because desperation can lead to sometimes not the best decision making. Mm -hmm. But if you're allowing the nine to five to be the investor in your business, then it gives you a little freedom to really figure out what it truly you want to do in the business. So just yes, that's so good. I'm so glad you said that because actually one of my another entrepreneurial friend, her name is Maria DiLorenzo. She's actually one of the very first guests that I interviewed for this podcast. So if you go all the way back, she's a stylist. And she gave me similar advice because like the saying, it's the same thing, like, you know, get, do good work in your job, right? If your intention is to make your entrepreneurial life, your full-time gig at some point, right? Do good work, but think of it as an investment and you don't need to give a 110%, give hundred percent. You don't need to give 110%, that extra 110% or extra 10% goes to your business. And that was such a great way for me to visualize because so many of us are the people who are going to give 110% no matter where we are. And then you're giving 100%, 10% in seven places and you're exhausted. So yeah. I thought that was a good, <laughs> good reminder. That's solid. Such solid advice for sure. So how are you balancing now the full-time job and your business? <laughs> to me, it's such an interesting word because really nothing is really balanced. <laughs> That's fine. Balance is, yeah, not the right word there. <laughs> on the week right like I'm trying to lean more into harmony because that feels like better I don't mm-hmm. answer your question it's week by week you know I have some it's funny I have a accountability meetings that I've been doing this year when I meet with one of my best friends and then her best friend and we connect twice a month and we just walk through what we are trying to accomplish love that okay so it's been really good because you know this is our off week so I'm like I was kind of I didn't do as much this week <laughs> So now this next week, I'm like, okay, I got to make sure I'm working because I know that next week they're going to be like, okay, so where are we on this? Where are we on that? So I appreciate that accountability. That's another huge value of mine. And so how do I balance the nine to five and in the business? Truly it's calendars, it's Asana, it is in, in a notebook. And so I, you know, yearly I set some goals and then I put those in Asana and set loose due dates for them. And then I get reminders of, okay, like you're coming up on, you know, March 31st, you said that you would read two books by then. I'm barely getting through the first one. And so it kind of gets me focused, right? So I may not have enough, a lot of time to watch the latest Netflix show or Hulu show. I may not be out, you know, in the streets and hanging <laughs> because I want to do you know, I want to make sure that I'm staying on my goals, but I do carve out time because I do like to be in the streets. Let's be clear. Like, I like to, I'm a two place shot. I live vicariously through your Instagram because <laughs> you have a blast. <laughs> like I'm outside, like what are we doing? So I do carve out time for that, but I also balance that because I know that I am a position in my corporate career where I have a team that depends on me. I manage one person, but then you know, I'm also a lead. So, you know, my manager and my boss, who's amazing, probably one of the best bosses I've ever worked for, you know, she leans on her leads as the you know, thought, you know, thought provoking, getting, setting standards for the team. So making sure that I'm keeping that together. 
you know, one thing I started doing as a balance is like blocking off my calendar. Oh gosh, they're probably going to see this and be like, okay, we know that she's not a, she's a truly available at four o'clock. But I started blocking off my calendar at four on, on during the weekdays to give myself time to really catch up from the day. I mean, I'm in meetings from sometimes nine to, to four, nine to mm -hmm. four thirty. And it's like, how do you get time to do the actual work, right? Mm -hmm. You get time to, to respond to emails. Or if my direct report needs something, she's like, Ash, I need something real quick. Like, how do I balance that? So for me, blocking off my calendar, you know, at four is really my time to wrap up the day, respond to emails, you know, get through any anything that might need my immediate attention. So that's the that boundaries is what I've tried to enlist in my nine to five. And then you know, in the evenings and the weekends are my time to do the business. So I try to make sure that I have a to-do list for every week. So I may not get through everything, but hey, can I get through one or two things in the evening to help with the business or even personally, and then use weekends to really reset, but also like I have a, a good block of time to get some work done. So that's how I'm usually balancing the two. I was joking with my, my best friend who the accountability partner. I was like, I need an assistant because <laughs> like I need to be able to like, there's personal things that you got to do. Like I got to go pick up my glasses. And so like trying to schedule that, look at calendars like that. I would love to have an assistant help, you know, do my personal right. life, but I am, I'm really trying to make sure that I'm making time for self, for family and friends and work and all the things. I'm also very, I'm single. So <laughs> I do have more time on my hands. And I think that's another thing to understand too, is like, you got to be honest. I, I say a personal capacity assessment, right? Like you got to be honest on what time do you have? Like as a single woman, I got a lot of time. And I only say that because I was a married woman and I realized how much time I was spending with my spouse. And now I'm single. It's like, woo, I got a lot of time. But if you are a, a spouse and you're a parent and you maybe a caregiver to an older sibling or parent, like the time might be limited. And so you got to figure out, you can't look to someone who's single and like, oh man, she's accomplishing all these things. It's like, yeah, because I got the time. Like mm -hmm. don't use me as a comparison. Look at someone else who has the same setup personally as you and say, okay, let, what reasonably and realistically, what can I do? So I know that was a long-winded answer, but- just wanted to give context to. No, I think that's great. I'm so glad you you gave that context too. Cause I, I think about that too with productivity. That's why I say like productivity is personal, right? Because I can't like the advice that I would give you, for example, for walking through your calendar in your day and your week, is gonna be so different than some I would give to a parent or a caregiver or someone even potentially single but younger than you, right? Like so we have to look at what we're working with, what we have, what our priorities are and the life and business that we want to have. Yeah. And that's how we structure our days and our time. So I think that's really good advice. And I'm just was laughing to myself a little bit about the running errands because living on Guantanamo Bay, there's no errands for me to run. There's nowhere to go. And so I feel like I'm going to have like a real shock again when I'm like back in the real world. Like, <laughs> yeah, the hospital is a mile away. I can walk there in two minutes to get my glasses. Like, um, that's you know so convenient it's so convenient so yeah I'm just joking about like yeah well, maybe I'll get an assistant when I get back to the states <laughs> for sure <laughs> I do want to 
like bug you a little bit more about Asana though, because I have, this has come up in a lot of conversations recently. And I actually have a podcast episode coming out after this one with an Asana expert. So this is going to be like, I just want to know more because I'm still in the space of needing to be convinced because I try it and then I abandon it every time. So what do you love about Asana? How do you set it up so that you can stay consistent with it? Oh man. Okay, let, me, let me think about my like setup. Let me actually pull it up. Cause I feel like sure. that, <laughs> that would be uh, like awesome. And I feel like I don't even have it on my phone, which is like not good. I have it on my iPad, but I don't have it on the phone. Hold on. Let me, let me say. Yeah. Cause while you're looking it up, cause I think Again, I fully believe in it. And I think, again, with the personal touch that I like on productivity, I can coach anyone to how to use this. I get it. It's an incredible tool. Same thing with like ClickUp and Monday and all of those resources. I am just such a paper pen person that I literally wrote a note to myself last night because I have so much travel coming up and there's a lot of steps for me to travel on and off the base. I was like, oh, this would be a cool Asana template. Like I'll just like set the template up and then I can copy it every time I want to travel. I had that thought, wrote it down, and then immediately wrote out all the tasks on a piece of paper <laughs> <laughs> because it like didn't connect. Like you should be typing these, Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> just yeah. want to help the people bridge it. People like me. Yeah, you know it's funny because I am sort of the same way. Where like if I okay, I'm going to Palm Springs in a few weeks, right? Mm -hmm. So in my head, I was just like, okay, I've already booked my travel. I need to book my hotel as we're talking. There's a couple of things I need to do to get ready. So I kind of wrote all those things down in a quick note. And then immediately when it was time to start like planning, you know, doing my weekly planning, I immediately moved those things to Asana. So I think it's just like, not muscle memory at this point, but it's just setting the intention like, hey, I'm going to move those things to Asana. Mm -hmm. I can... I'm going to lose that paper or I'm going to, I'm going to not have that book with me because my brain is that crazy. I could be in the farmer's market and I'm like, Oh shoot, I need to add that to the list of things that I need to do. And so I can quickly put that in my phone or, you know, something like that. So I, that's the reason why I have moved to Asana is because I can, it's on different, what is this? These tools. Moving platforms tool. Yeah. (laughs) The phone and the iPad and your laptop. I most times will have my phone with me. So it's easy to pull up the app and add the things in there, add the tasks in there. And so how I've set it up is like, I have different sections within Asana, you know, personal, financial, client, just the different categories of which I want to uh, set up my life. And then I just add in the task and I'll set a date. Now I'm going to change the date because life is going to happen. But I will most likely start off with pen and paper and then move it into a sauna. Then I'll move it probably back to a calendar because my calendar is a paper, which is right here. Yes. (laughs) I know you guys can't see because it's audio, but I showed my calendar. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the, when I was using Asana consistently, what I was actually doing is I would write out the tasks, all the deadlines. And then in the, what I like about it is that you can have all those tasks in all those different categories, but then see it all in one spot. And that's what I really liked about it. I would actually then print off that page <laughs> so I could cross it off. So 
Yeah, it's just been a struggle for me recently. I think that's where this is the productivity coach is fessing up that we are, it's always experimenting, right? That's what you're doing. You're going to experiment to find something that works. And yeah. And I think, you know, you got to do what's best for you, right? Like I am so on the go that if I wrote down everything and I tried to use, you know, the pen and paper to keep track of my deadlines, I probably couldn't function. Sure. Yeah. If you feel like writing things down and printing it off, hey man, and you cross it off, I think that's fine. Whatever is going to help you get to go. I know we're trying to adopt technology and things like that, but you got to do what's best for you. You know, I've been using, candidly, I've been using Asana probably for eight years. So now oh, wow. it's muscle memory at this point. Yeah, time. that's true. Yep. That's awesome. Or, you know, that's, that's, length of time and so you got to just find you know what works for you I know a lot of people use notion what's the other one there's another tool that I personally do not like it has like little tabs I can't think of the name of it right now but it'll come back to me but yeah notion to me that is overwhelming to set up that that and it's beautiful like I've watched YouTube videos and how people set it up I'm like oh my god that's so nice but it's I feel like it's like too much. I'm like already, I'm already in my system. And eventually like, maybe when I get that assistant, we can transition. (laughs) (laughs) But like Asana and my notebook and my calendar is like serving me very well for now. Yeah. 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 And that's true too. It might change. It might be seasons, right? Like one of the things that I do really appreciate about Asana is when I was building out, I had a group program for a little while. And when I was building it out, having it all in Asana where I could pace it out and say like, okay, this is what I'm doing this like every week because it was a big project and also having the reminders of when to start, because I think it's so easy. And I'm so glad you mentioned this going back to like how you use it to set goals, right? Like you have it set reminders because if your goal was to read, let's just say 20 books in 2023, but that reminder was on December 31st, that's not helpful. (laughs) So I think it's so important to remember, like what the benefit of using those tools is because we can set those start dates. Like if you want to do, I always use the example, like if you want to do a Black Friday launch, you cannot remember to do that the weekend of Black Friday. You have to remember to do that September, August. And so to have that, those reminders in there is so powerful. I haven't found a good way to replicate that piece on paper. I'm so glad that you brought that up because you're right. You cannot like think, okay, I'm going to read, you know, my goal is 18 books this year and have it set <laughs> December 31st. You're going to be like, oh shit. Like I just remember that I'm going to be reading 18 books. You know, I think it's, and you probably talked about this too in goal setting. Like you have to, you have a yearly goal, but you break it down quarterly or monthly. And so for me, I do that, right? I have, I do in my head have 18 books that I'm trying to read, but then my reminders really are the monthly or quarterly checkpoints. So each at the end of the month, I need to read at least one and a half, two books, right? To hit the goal of team. And so that is important too. Like I, I don't set the goal based on the yearly goal. I break it down into the monthly or the quarterly activity that needs to be done to get to that goal, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. That's so good. I'm so glad this is not I mean, we took like a hard turn here but this was so helpful to see how it because talking to that asana expert was great and i think that like i think the listeners will love it because he was brilliant and how he worked broke it down but he's also literally an expert in it and he like he gets paid to set it up and use it so 
I think translating it and hearing someone use it and balancing a full-time job and a business and a life is always a great example for people to hear. Any other productivity or time management things that you have been using to find harmony? Ooh, a good question. I don't think so. Oh, no, I take that back. So I'm really trying to really work on my habits. Habits are super important to get things done. It's like, you can say like, Hey, I want to run a marathon, but it's like, which I have no desire. <laughs> a marathon. For the sake of example, right? Sure. You want to run a marathon, right? There are, I'm sure there are daily or weekly things that you need to be doing to get that done. And sometimes you need reminders because in the chaos that is, we are so distracted. And so an app that I have started to use this year, it is called Done. Yes, it's called Done. And that is what I've used to track my daily habits. Like I know that I want to read 10 pages a day. Like that's it. Like that's it. I know that I need to take my vitamins daily. I know that I need to journal. I'd like to journal, you know, at least four times a week. I want to work out three times a week. And so it's sort of gamifying the habits. So when I do do the habits, so I may work out, I'm like, oop, check for this for today. <laughs> up to like three times already and it's only Wednesday. And so that has truly helped me to stay focused. I think that's the biggest thing is like, well, we can, there's so many distractions from TV to radio, you know, podcast, if you don't, you know, listen to radio, social media can be a distraction. Family can be a distraction, mm -hmm. honest. And so I've really tried to iterate myself, like, what are the distractions and how can you get even more focused? And this has helped me really do that and you can set it up however you, you need to so you can do daily they also have weekly it's not really great for monthly but daily and weekly at least I haven't yeah but weekly and the daily it helps me to keep focused on okay when I wake up I should not the first thing I shouldn't do the first thing I should do is is gratitude journaling not pick up my phone and scroll Right. So it's like, it gives me focus and it feels uncomfortable. Right. Mm -hmm. Trying to change habits is like trying to, you know, and I don't have a dog, but I've tried to walk a dog and you're trying to, you know, move them. No. And like, I'm going this way. I'm going to the right. Like, no, we're going to the left. So it's it, when you're trying to change habits, it can feel uncomfortable. It can feel like this feels weird. And, but the more you do it, it goes back to like that working out, but the more you do, you build the muscle, the easier it gets. And consistency is really about doing the work repetitively boring, but I guarantee you the results are not boring. Yeah. Yeah. I think habits and routines are game changers in just being consistent in our days. And as soon as you start building that discipline, you start to see that show up in other places too. And that's been really cool. Yeah. yeah. See, I love that. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, I have some rapid fire questions to wrap us up. Are you a morning person or a night person? I am a night person. This is hilarious <laughs> question and timing. I was with my stylist yesterday and she was talking about how she gets up at like five o'clock and like has this whole routine, makes up her bed and gets tea. And I'm like, 
absolutely not. I'm a night owl. And the only reason why I have to be a morning person is because I have a nine to five. Like if it's left up to me, no, I'm staying all night. That's when I come alive. I am truly a night person. I love that. But like for me, it's hard because it's so hot here that if I want to go for a run, I have to do it early. But yeah, I love that. I'm a night person too. I would much rather stay up. Pen and paper or all digital? Hybrid. Hybrid. Oh, we can't have to talk a lot about that. Yep. Cool. And what is your favorite way to relax? Sleeping. <laughs> After staying up all night party, you gotta sleep. That makes sense. <laughs> and yoga has become mm. a great way for me to relax as well. Yeah, because I don't have my phone. You know, anything I don't have my phone. You know, because of muscle memory, I'm gonna grab it. Yeah, so really helped me to relax for sure. Good. Oh, I love that. Well, this has been so much fun. I'm so glad we reconnected. Where can everybody follow you and learn more about you and get their logo and marketing down if they're interested? Yeah. So I am rebranding a bit. And so if you have any questions about logo marketing, branding, you can find me at thealcompany.co. And then if you just want to follow my shenanigans, I am the Ashley Lindo everywhere on social. Yes. And I'll put all that in the show notes so people have an easy link to everything ready to roll. But this is so much fun. Thank you so much for chatting with me today. Yeah, thank you for having me. This is awesome. You're such a great interviewer. You have really good questions and very engaging. So thank you for this. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. If you're ready to go from overwhelmed to under control so that you can be a booked out, burnout proof business or just stop feeling overwhelmed so you can relax on the weekends, let's chat. I offer one on one coaching where I use my unique set yourself up for success framework to teach you to the skills you need to create and live your ideal schedule. I have three spots available for March. So check out the link in my bio or DM me on Instagram to learn more. Thank you for enjoying another episode of From Overwhelmed to Under Control. I hope you're feeling one step closer to your goals. Don't forget to check out the show notes and follow along on Instagram at Chelsea and Coaching. I look forward to talking to you soon.